Are you ready to unlock the power of innovation? Become a member of the Consumer Technology Association and engage with a community of innovators. As a CTA member, you'll access cutting-edge research, connect with industry leaders, and shape industry standards. Enjoy exclusive discounts, CES perks, and invaluable networking opportunities. Visit cta.tech and be a part of advancing the technology industry. This is CES Tech Talk. I'm James Kotecki. CES 2024 is January 9th through 12th in Las Vegas, and it's already time to build the hype. So let's get smart about the world's most influential tech event. And let's be honest, you can't talk about CES without talking about self-driving cars. In the past on this podcast, we've covered autonomous race cars, but when will the autonomous revolution be speeding down your street? We're going to look at the state of the industry and the future of everyday driving with Nimrod Nehushtan. He's Senior Vice President, Strategy and Business Development at Mobileye, an autonomous vehicle technology company. Nimrod, welcome to CES Tech Talk. Welcome, James. Uh, thank you very much uh, for having me. Looking forward for this, uh, for this talk today. And let's start by contextualizing for folks the uh, the piece of the autonomous vehicle challenge or the pieces of the challenge that Mobileye is actually working on. What's the what's the easy way for the general CES audience to understand how Mobileye fits into the picture? Yeah, that's a very good question to start with. So essentially, we are um, developing a platform that can pretty much be integrated into any car then that will make this car fully autonomous. And this starts with a compute platform, some silicon and the different compute resources needed for the different technologies, um, as well as the perception stack, computer vision technologies, um, sensors, uh, sensor fusion, radars and lidars, um, mapping through our crowdsource mapping, REM, our crowdsource mapping um, activity, um, driving policy. And um, of course, also we are developing active sensors, which will be um, a part of our future roadmap for next generation of autonomous vehicles. So you can pretty much say that we start from uh, from silicon design all the way up to um, computer mm -hmm. vision algorithms, um, sensor development, computer vision, uh, uh, let's say uh, um, advancements and uh, and uh, mapping and driving policy. So pretty much the entire stack. So when you're talking about any car becoming autonomous, uh, just to be clear, are we talking about retrofitting older cars with all of this new equipment or just newer cars? The idea is that um, essentially when you think about autonomous driving, you need to um, provide three major components in the system. There is the sensing layer, which is responsible for understanding the environment and the dynamic objects and the road users, vehicles, pedestrians, cyclists, everything that is dynamic around the car. There is the mapping, which is traditionally responsible for understanding the road structure, the driving rules, you know, lane structure, traffic lights, everything that is static around the, um, you know, the, the road itself where the car is in. Mm -hmm. And then based on top of these two elements, you have the driving policy, which is responsible for decision making and for, you know, the do's and don'ts of the autonomous vehicle, right? Um, mm -hmm. And what we are in our company um, are developing and, and providing is basically a platform that includes all these three components, as well as the silicon design and the compute that is necessary to run those in a car. And we are working with uh, car companies to integrate this uh, platform into the into new cars that will be launched in the future um, so that we can offer hands-off, eyes-off driving functions to, to consumers through our partnerships with car companies. 
I understand one of those partnerships is with Volkswagen. So can you maybe uh, get a little bit more into the details of what this partnership means in practice there? Yeah. So in reality, I, I think we should go back a little bit further in time um, to look at the partnership with Volkswagen. We have been working and Volkswagen has been one of our major partners uh, for a few years now. And it started with uh, what we call basic strand, uh, driving assist uh, uh, products which is what everyone uh, is familiar with uh, today, automatic emergency braking, forward collision warning, lane departure warning, all these standard um, you know, uh, driving assist uh, functions. And we have integrated our, our products, our IQ product that provides all of these uh, functions in many, many vehicles from Volkswagen Group over the years. And I think an, an important milestone in the relationship of the companies was, um, I think six years ago, when we have jointly announced a partnership around crowdsource mapping and, uh, and REM, in which um, you know the, the both companies collaborated in launching this uh, innovative technology in the market, and it has been a, a very big success for for both companies. And recently, we have announced a a partnership with Porsche um, to integrate our supervision product into uh, Porsche vehicles in the in the next few years. Um, supervision is our platform that provides hands-free driving, which means basically it's fully capable of all the driving tasks um, completely autonomously. Um, but it's not a eyes-off system, which means that you, as the driver, you will be allowed to take your hands off the wheel, but um, you cannot take your eyes off the road, and you still need to be engaged mm. and you know alert of what's coming. But in terms of the the system capabilities and the overall you know robustness of the system, it is um, very very advanced in what it can offer to driving, and it will completely change um, the driving experience for us as drivers. You use these terms hands off, eyes off a couple of times. So I want to get into this because I think this is something that is uh, specific to Mobileye. Or in other words, I think you're using those terms very deliberately because my understanding is that at the previous CES, CES 2023, Mobileye unveiled these terms as a way of kind of um, making it much more understandable to people in non-technical terms what this technology does. And it's interesting, even in this conversation so far, you, you're mentioning a bunch of advanced technologies, but you're also mentioning these simple terms. So tell me more about why Mobileye decided to do that, what those terms are, and kind of how it's going for you and using those in the real world. Yeah, well, I think um, maybe a change in mindset that we've had is is that we are thinking about what the system can and cannot do in you know in the in the eyes of the consumer. And under the assumption that the average consumer is not extremely you know, uh, up to date with the latest uh, regulation and standards that the industry is using, which is more phrased in an engineering language. And what we have found is that, of course, being involved in this activity for a few years now is that the, um, let's say, common uh, language in the industry that is more engineering uh, related got many different types of interpretations. And especially when it comes to the difference between level two plus, level three, level four, you can find varying opinions on what are the nuances that differentiate between this level and the other. And yeah. we wanted to keep it simple and so that the, the broad audience can understand what the system is capable of. And this comes from a very deliberate, uh, as you said, deliberate notion that we wanted to be clear for consumers on what they can and cannot do uh, when they will be using the system. Um, and it means for us, basically, we divide it to eyes on, hands on. This is a normal car today where the system is designed to help you as a driver to prevent dangerous events, to provide alerts and warnings and so on. But you still drive um, all the time, right? You're engaged and you're mm -hmm. holding the wheel. The next step from there is that is what we call eyes on, hands off, which is our supervision system. Um, in that case, as a driver, once you activate the system, 
it will drive completely autonomously, but as a driver, you need to still be engaged and be you know, looking at the road so that you're basically supervising and monitoring the system and not driving, uh, physically driving all the time. And this is very similar to how pilots are flying planes today, right? You have the autopilot, mm -hmm. it's driving or it's flying the plane, but as a pilot, you still you know, need to monitor it and see that everything is functioning properly. Um, and this is the, the eyes on hands off uh, supervision system. From that point, we move to eyes off, hands off. And for us, once we say eyes off, you need to really assume that when, once you allow the driver to, to take his or hers eyes off the road, the system needs to be extremely robust and to be able to handle cases where maybe the driver is not alert at you know, one second notice or even 10 second notice mm -hmm. in some cases. So it's not enough just to you know, allow the driver to take the eyes off the road. You need to also design the system to handle cases where maybe the driver is not there to take control or is not responsive enough, yeah. right? Which, which is what we call you know, minimum risk maneuvers and stop reaching a safe stop and so on. So for us, it's again, it's very clear. So you as a driver, you know, okay, once the system is active, I can take my eyes off the road and be you know, minding my own business and you know, reading my phone and, and doing mails and whatever it may be. Yeah. And, and then the final step is no driver. This is like a robo taxi where there's no driver and um, this is kind of the complete spectrum um, of products and how you can move from eyes on, hands on, which is the you know common case today in most cars and all the way up to no driver. I, I recall a debate in the industry about whether and how much assistance to give folks in that kind of middle section between, you know, I'm fully driving the car myself and there's no driver. And I remember the debate going something along the lines of, on the one hand, you had people who said, you know, we need to give people, we need to gradually ramp this up and give people more and more assistance because that's how the technology is going to progress. And then on the other hand, you had folks who said, we have to go from, I'm driving the car completely myself all the way to no driver. It almost has to be a switch because people in that interim period where the, let's say their hands off, eyes on, for example, to use your terminology, you know, they're not going to, they, they are going to drift. They're not going to be alert. They're going to forget that they have to take control. They're going to be lulled, in other words, into a false sense of security almost. And in some ways that is more dangerous. So what's the state of that debate today? I, I think it's somewhat clear what your answer for that is, but wh why, why are we going in this direction? Well, I think this debate is very much, uh, you know, real today, and it's present in in many debates in the industry. And there has been uh, numerous events in which there there has been, you know, public events in which, uh, you know, uh, um, specific behaviors of the, of different systems uh, led to this discussion even becoming more and more relevant. Um, you know, as to whether it's clear enough, clear enough or not to drivers on what they can and cannot do when the system is active. And I think yeah. this is this is an extremely important topic. And um, the more these systems become autonomous, um, I think the more, first of all, it needs to be clear to the driver as to their do's and don'ts once the system is active. And in addition to that, a, a driver monit monitoring system is, is is a very, very important piece of the system. So by having a, a, um, a technology that can inspect and you know monitor the driver, you can pretty much um, anticipate um, events in which drivers will maybe abuse the system or will maybe simply, you know, you know, mm -hmm. fall out of concentration. Um, so we have technologies like this today, and these are very, very important pieces of the entire system because you can see if somebody is getting drowsy, if somebody is getting, you know, unconcentrated, if somebody is like yeah. sneak peeking into his phone once he's not, you know, even if he's not supposed to do that, and you can disengage and you can, you know, honk the horns or whatever it may be. 
um, and at least mitigate this risk. Um, so it's not mm-hmm. enough just to say so, at least, at least in our view, it's not enough just to say so in the you know, terms and conditions when you buy the car. <laughs> you need to also have an mm-hmm. active system that can continuously inspect the driver and make sure that the proper use of the system is being made. Right, because it seems like you know there, there's there there's like the well I told him not to do it and he did it but he should have known better but of course the consequences of that you know can be significant. I also wonder if the necessity of the approach that you're outlining, which sounds like you know you're you're gradually ramping up the amount of assistance that you're giving a driver up until the point that you can just take the driver out of the seat completely. I wonder if that's necessitated by the fact, and you tell me if I'm wrong, that uh, fully autonomous, driverless, no driver. That stage is just very hard to achieve on a practical level. I mean, for years, we've seen videos of cars with no drivers driving around in in certain kind of maybe with a bit of marketing polish on it. But it seems to me that this dream of not having a driver in the car is, is it seems to just be a lot harder to have achieved than maybe people would have thought five or 10 years ago. Is that a fair assessment of, of where things are in the industry today? Well, I can. I think it's pretty safe to say that there is uh, definitely some some level of uh, of uh, realization that maybe some of the challenges that were, uh, you know, previously believed to be uh, simpler, um, wanted to be more more complicated. But I don't think necessarily, you know, the question of when will we have, uh, you know, driverless cars everywhere, is a very tricky one, and it's it's you can have an argument one way or the other. I think a more interesting debate is is what will be the meaningful milestones in the path towards that um, you know that end state, and I think what might be um, kind of understated in the discussion is that there are a few major milestones in the path towards driverless cars that will completely change how we are you know consuming tra- transportation and how, how we are you know experiencing the car, and, and these are much more imminent let's say and much more realistic today. Um, although we can argue that um, it's not necessarily decades away, but regardless of the of the question of when driverless cars will be as prevalent as they uh, were previously thought to be, I think that in the next three to five years we see major leaps in what um, you know commercially available system will offer to drivers, and talking about the um, hands-off applications that will provide new levels of comfort and, you know, much less anxiety. And we also believe that better safety overall to drivers and then conditional autonomy, which is practically, you know, eyes off, but in limited conditions um, can be extremely useful. So imagine a scenario where you're entering your car and you're, uh, you know, you're selecting a destination in the navigation system. And then once you start driving, you can, you, you start driving hands off. So the system takes you from your house and drives like the, you know, small residential streets fully autonomously, and you simply, you know, inspect it. And then once you enter the highway, it enters a new stage, which is eyes off. You have a warning that says, mm-hmm. okay, now you can take your eyes off as well. And then all the way, once you're on the highway, including all the different use cases and scenarios, like, you know, overtaking a, a truck and, you know, uh, obstacles and blocked lanes and so on, is fully autonomous in a way that you can be eyes off. Okay, and then once you approach the end of the highway, a few you know moments before that, there is a procedure in which the control is t- is being you know uh, um, transferred to the driver again, and then you continue with your journey. That alone, mm-hmm. that segment of just you know autonomous driving in a highway, eyes off, this is extremely useful and it's it's a complete game changer. Thinking about the amount of time we're wasting today driving on highways and you know traffic jams and 
and so on. Yeah. It's only getting worse. Um, thinking about you know the amount of accidents that we can prevent in high speeds, with the, which is almost always fatal. So the overall impact to society, even if we only provide this level of uh, of uh, um, autonomy, is you know night and day compared to today. And this is within reach. We we are actively working. You know we're busy solving the problems towards that uh, towards that product product, and we see this you know launching within the next three to five years. So it's not we don't see think of this as kind of a far future type of product. Um, and just imagining having this kind of a product available in the market, I think is is a, is a real game changer. And do you think we'll be able to see those milestones show up in kind of the derivative statistics there in terms of productivity statistics? You mentioned accident statistics. Is there a data point milestone on, on something like that that you're looking for to say, Okay, this is this is a sign that this kind of uh, th these gains that you're talking about have actually arrived and been locked in. Yeah, I think there are, and um, I think the most obvious ones will be the amount of time people are wasting <laughs> driving on average. Yeah. This can be reduced if you think about the common you know common journey or the common commute. Um, there is a significant portion of that that is on highways, right? And and also a lot of the traffic jams, you know. Are concentrated in highways, and also um, just long long parts of the journey are in highways. This is how the road networks is is built, and I, I I think that in terms of the amount of time people are wasting, not just you know um, sitting in the car, but wasting time while they're in, you're in the car will be reduced, and also safety. Um, we're talking about, and at least in our view. Um, the threshold to launch this product is to be orders of magnitude better than humans statistically in terms of the mm -hmm. you know the probability of a fatal accident or, or any type of accident. These these systems are not going to be as good as humans to be accepted by society. They need to be orders of magnitude better. Okay, so the overall impact to society, the more these systems become will become uh, you know prevalent, um, the more you will see a a, a drop um, in the amount of fatal accidents and think, as we all know, um, accidents and car crashes today are one of the leading factors for early uh, fatalities. Um, so yeah. there is no way to reduce that to zero without taking the driver out of the equation. And the more the systems become autonomous and the more drivers will be out of the equation for a longer and longer portion of the drive, the more you will see this number of fatal accidents drop uh, dramatically. This is, um, you know, and, and it's not, I think a good, a good example could be aviation. If you compare today the statistics of being involved in a fatal plane crash compared to 50 years ago, it's like orders of magnitude different. And mm -hmm. one of the biggest uh, revolutions that happened in aviation is, is the level of, of automation that entered. You know, 50 years ago, you could be boarding a plane and the, and the pilot will say, listen, guys, I'm lost. I don't know where we are. I hope we have enough gas, right? So, <laughs> the more the more automation and the more you know uh, sophistication and compute entered pl uh, planes, the more you know pilots were, you mm. know, the, the the room for error of a pilot were was mitigated. Another data point we could look at as this technology increases in terms of prevalence and adoption is people's attitudes about using it. And so, do you look at a data for that, for kind of people's willingness to take their hands and eyes off the road, is that changing? And uh, and what do you see as far as the trends there? I think that's a very good question. Um, you know, I've been personally using using our cars um, on a day to day basis, and um, it once you get used to it, and it takes a relatively short amount of time to get used to it, 
it's pretty hard to imagine going back to driving normally again, like driving manually again. Um, and I think the, there is a level of trust that needs to be gained between the, the user and the system that after a few hours of driving, you know, you're experiencing the system in different scenarios and you understand how to engage with it. Mm -hmm. um, you, do, you develop a certain level of trust and then you get used to the comfort. Um, now today, it'll, again, I'll give an example. Think about cruise control. This is so standard today that it, you know it, it's available in, in every car. But look back, like 15 years ago, it was you know very <laughs> not not everyone uh, treated it lightly when it came to like you know counting on the car to to keep the gas and brake pedals as they are. Right um, mm -hmm. today, don't even think about this. And when we think about uh, you know enabling these systems. It will be the same process after a few hours of, of driving it and you know seeing the performance, seeing the you know limitations and strength of this. You see, you start to understand that in in many ways this system is actually better than you, um, and you would actually prefer the system to be driving in in certain scenarios, in pretty much most scenarios. Once you get used to it and you you see it working in the field, and it's not a theory. Um, I mean, this is this is in practice what happens with people that are starting to, you know, um, um, dip their toes into this, um, because yeah. you know we as humans we are very very bad in driving in in kind of mundane uh, um, scenarios like driving on a long highway for a few hours, you know maybe we get exhausted we get unconcentrated. And you see that the system excels in these situations, right? And it's simply easy for you to let go because you see how how much more reliable the system is compared to you. Like driving back from work, it's like you know being tired and have a two-hour two yeah. commute. I mean, it's it's pr pretty easy because the value that you get from the system is so high. And after a few hours of you know gaining trust, it's a, it's a no-brainer. You know, it's one thing to get used to it for your own car, and I think maybe. Uh, societal acceptance is is maybe a separate question. I'm not sure if you agree with that, but I, I just wonder, because you, you mentioned the idea of having to be or wanting to be orders of magnitude better than a human driver just to launch your technology. And as part of the reason, and now if you just looked at it from a purely mathematical point of view, if you were just, you know, one percentage point better than a human driver, that would be better from just a raw mathematical perspective. But of course, there's this idea, this perception that if, and you, you know, you mentioned some of these cases made the news, if the if the robot car, uh, you know, crashes and someone is killed, then that's, that's a headline news and people maybe have this mistrust over that versus, you know, there's obviously day-to-day -day crashes that kill many people that, that humans are involved in and that doesn't make the news. So how does human perception play into this need to be so much better than human drivers? Yeah, I think this is a, a very important question and um, one of our fundamentals in in our um, autonomous vehicle uh, stack let's say in our in our offering is that we believe that it um, when it comes to you know the the tolerance for errors um, is is different for different circumstances and I'll explain we think that it's much more likely that nobody will tolerate errors because of wrong decision making. So, for example, as a human, if if somebody decides to run over somebody else, right, by actively deciding to do so on purpose, you know, it's mm -hmm. a different felony than if if by mistake something you know unexpected happened and you could not, you know, you could not do anything better, but it still led to an accident. So, when it comes to errors because of wrong decision making, this will not be tolerated, and I think maybe unlike most of other companies that are you know trying to or, or working on autonomous vehicles, 
Um, we believe that decision-making, the driving policy, which is responsible for the do's and don'ts of the system, this needs to be a very transparent and, and easy to understand element. Um, it cannot be a black box and, and a heavy AI-driven machine because it's very hard to understand why AI system decided to do what it decided to do at some, at some point in time. It's very hard to debug it and to read into the code and to understand the policy of it. Um, once, if you have a transparent model, which is our, our driving policy is based on our proprietary um, responsibility sensitive safety concept, RSS, we have published papers, you know, white papers on this. You can read it online. You can understand exactly the, um, the rules in which we are coding our system to behave. Um, and also we can easily understand what this is, why the system decided to do what it decided to do at any point in time. And therefore, we can prove that there could not be any wrong decision-making that will lead to dangerous events because of the system. And this is a critical element to gain the trust of the general society. And we're you know, actively mm. working on exposing this concept and, and creating kind of a, a, uh, um, a consensus that these elements need to be transparent. And maybe there is a call for a, a common standard in the industry around that. So at least you can say, this is how the system is going to do what it decided to do. This is the rules of the game, right? It's not kind of an unexpected statistic approach that says, we hope we learned enough data, right? We hope we used enough data to, mm -hmm. to train our AI system, and, and we hope it's statistically good enough. I, I, we, we think that when it comes to decision-making, there is no room for hope. It needs to be definitive. Um, and this is a core element in our system. And when it comes to other elements, the, the I think the more the systems will be um, you know, prevalent, the more we can see that overall the benefit to society is so dramatic that um, and that the type of errors are going to be explainable and understandable. Again, taking back an example from aviation, there is a certain probability that the wings will fall off the plane. If it happens and you read about it in, in the news, it, it's, a, you know, it's a tragedy, of course, but all of us know it can happen in some probability. But if you read in the news that the pilot decided to crash the plane on purpose, it's a completely different story, right? Mm -hmm. um, so this is kind of our our approach, and this is the fundamentals and guidelines in our design of the system. And of course, the, the probability of in that, that example, the wings falling off the plane is obviously vanishingly small, so we accept it as a society. Um, and uh, it would be a, it would be definitely be surprising if that were to happen. Um, you mentioned industry standards. I mean, the next level up from that is regulatory and legal standards. Um, are there certain things? Um, I believe you're coming to us uh, from Israel right now. Is that yes. right? Um, so I'm here in the United States, um, and uh, but all around the world, uh, lawmakers and regulators are going to have to be grappling with this. Do you see uh, where, where do you see folks who are leading on this issue? Um, do you see the kind of regulatory and legal environment shaping up? to where this stuff can be adopted on a mass scale and there is that kind of standardization. I think there is definitely a discussion in the industry about this, about the need for you know, regulation and standards. Um, and we're closely watching how this progresses. Um, and we, we also think it's going to be a key in future launches of these products in large scale. Um, and again, we, we're already seeing this a tight collaboration and, and ongoing engagements in the market in, in order to kind of promote this um, to create some certainty and to create some standards that can then be used by technology companies, by whoever it may be in the industry, car companies, service operators, to at least understand 
what will be the criteria to launch these products in a in a way that has some level of assurance behind it. Um, and this will, will this will be very important to you know to balance the risk and the the um, dilemmas that maybe some companies are facing today because of the certainty around it. Is there a, is there a regulatory track or a, a, a legislative philosophy that you are especially wary of? In other words, is there is there some credible uh, is there some politician out there saying like we have to just ban all self driving cars? I, I haven't heard of that. It seems like we're kind of debating philosophically within a range of possibilities, all of which would eventually eventually lead us toward a more autonomous future. But you probably have a better sense of this than me. Now, I, I'm not aware of any um, kind of a deliberate, ongoing engagement in, in high profile around, you know, completely banning autonomous vehicles altogether. I think looking, looking at the long term, um, um, we have to have these technologies and we have to have these products. This is this can be a, a dramatic, positive impact to society. And the industry is is investing in, in changing the way we are consuming transportation. And regulation needs to also join the party and help in creating the standards and certainty to make it a commercially viable um, proposition. So um, I think that uh, that we're not aware of any any discussion on the that you know tries to pull the the ship in the opposite direction at this point. So as you mentioned, your company is based in Israel. We're looking forward to having you join us in Las Vegas for CES 2024. You're going to have to come halfway around the world for that. Uh, why do you Why do you come to CES and what are you planning for CES 2024? Yeah. So first of all, CES is an amazing platform for us to um, kind of not only our, see our colleagues in the industry, but also get up to speed with the latest technologies, you know, meet startups, meet you know, entrepreneurs and, and see the different innovations in coming in, in many, many different type of, uh, of uh, markets. Um, we are always excited about the opportunity to meet our customers and counterparts, and it's very, very effective for us. So it's a no-brainer for us to come halfway around the world for, for CS, mm -hmm. and we plan to do that uh, again in 2024. Um, this year, we, can, we will, again, show the advancements in our technology, um, latest status of the business, share our vision and, and progression in the autonomous vehicle uh, journey. So a lot to look forward to, and we are very excited about 2024 this year. Thank you so much for joining us. Nimrod Nehushtan, Mobileye. Really appreciate you being here on CES Tech Talk. Thank you very much, James, for having me. And thank you so much for listening and or watching. You know, that's our show for now, but there's always more tech to talk about. So please subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a moment. You can get even more CES and prepare for Vegas at ces.tech. That's ces.tech. Our show today is produced by Nicole Vidovich and Mason Manuel, recorded by Andrew Lynn and edited by Third Spoon. I'm James Kotecki, Talking Tech on CES Tech Talk.